All right, everybody, it's uh, time. <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, uh, patrons, I don't know what I'm doing. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary. Those of you that support me get to hear my imperfections. Because we all got them, am I right? Uh, and it's time for Sleep With Me, the show you support, the podcast that puts you to sleep. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever is keeping you awake. Uh, so it could be thoughts, you know, you're thinking about things on your mind, thoughts, uh, feelings, uh, phys- feelings, you know, emotions coming up. Uh, so things you're thinking about, uh, you know, past, present, or future, feelings like emotions or physical sensations. It could be changes in time or temperature or routine, uh, like a lot of routine. When changes aren't routine, they're, you know, it's more changes in your routine. Uh, anything, whatever's keeping you up, it could be something else. Uh, what I'm going to do, or what I propose to do, if it, what I'm applying to do, what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place. I got plenty of room here. I'll send it over there. Uh, so th- we got that going. And the way I'll do it is I'll send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'll use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, uh, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents. I'm going to go off topic. I'm not going to make a lot of sense. I won't get to any points. Like I said, I'll talk, I'm going to get to a point about nubs in a bit uh, uh, and nibs. I don't know if I'll talk about nibs, but nibs are a thing. Also, the great Kate Nibs uh, wrote an article about the podcast once. Uh, she's a great writer and podcast person. Uh, but so, where was I? I guess I got off track there. I was pandering. Uh, to, 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 but so, oh, yeah, I'm going to go off top. I'm going to get off track. I think, oh, so I just demonstrated that by accident. So if you're new, I want you to know a few things, especially if you found your way here uh, through some other means and you're brand new. This podcast, one, it is a bit more than a bit different. It's a very different, a bit strange. So it's one thing to know. So if you're skeptical or doubtful or you're feeling, I don't know exactly know what ambivalent means or meant, uh, but I can see, you see, well, I'm not so sure about what this going to, you know, uh, that's a perfectly normal reaction for this show. So I want to acknowledge that that's totally normal. And uh, probably sit with those feelings because you'll probably be feeling those for a while. But I want to give you some basic info. Like one thing is this podcast does not work for everybody. So give it a few tries and kind of see how it goes. I'd like to, you know, I'd like you to give it a try, uh, but you don't have to. But if you do give it one try, give it a couple because there's like a lot of people that listen and most of them said it took two or three tries before I realized this podcast will never make any sense. Like the most sensible thing about it is that it never makes any sense. So give it a few tries. That's the ne- It leads into the next point, which is this is kind of a podcast you don't really listen to. Or if you're listening to it expectantly, you're probably going to be, if you're expecting me to get to a point or start a story or start making sense, or you say, oh boy, I can't wait for, for Scoots to talk about the next Welcome to Night Vale novel or The Princess Bride and cover those in detail, um, you might be waiting a while because I don't really, like, I'm not good at getting to the point. So this podcast is kind of best consumed loosely or out of focus. Where you're like, huh, I'm not sure, not quite sure I, I understand what he's talking about. Don't need, no, need to know. That's like somebody falling asleep. Don't necessarily need to know if he does or he will. So try to approach it with a loose grip and you don't need to listen. This is the one podcast you can only kind of barely listen to if you want. Uh, you could actively non-listen. That's one of the lessons I get. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like you pretend you're listening. That that works a lot better than actually listening to this show. You just lie there and bet, uh-huh, Scoots, oh boy. You said Oshkosh Bagash again. 
and then did your um uh, er thing. Wow, really? You, so you were going to talk about nibs and nubs eventually, but you're in the middle of talking about, uh-huh, uh-huh. So it's a podcast you don't need to listen to. Strangely enough, while this is a sleep with me, and it's a, a like a, one of the main uh, bedtime story podcasts for grown-ups, and a lot of kids listen now, too. What up, kids? Uh, it's also a podcast that doesn't necessarily put you to sleep. It's here while you fall asleep. So it's a little bit different. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know any actual sleep podcasts that put me like, uh, like, I guess when I think about a sleep podcast, I think about someone kind of like doing something that makes you fall asleep. Right. I'm more just take your mind off of stuff and keep you company while you drift off. Cause you don't really have to pay attention to me. So it's a little bit different. I'm here to, to, to be your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar sib, your boar cuz, your boar bestie, your boar bruh. Maybe your boar bot. I don't know. It, uh, like, I, it does not compute. But I'm here. Yeah, I'm here to be at your bedside and take your mind off of stuff. So, and then if you can't listen, if, I mean, if you can't sleep, uh, you don't need to listen. I think that was the other thing. But if you can't sleep, I'm going to be here till the end. So I'll be here till, for about an hour, whether you're awake or asleep, to, 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 to take your mind off stuff and keep you company. So that's it. Then the structure of the show. Now, the show's structure is also very different, and it can throw people off, uh, especially if you come in expecting one thing. Like, if you expected it, like, they said, well, remember those, like, uh, those goddesses from that movie, the Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo goddesses? And I'd say, yeah, I do. Actually, I do remember them. Uh, right. I mean, they never got their own movie, huh? No, they didn't. They didn't get their own movie. Well, they got a podcast now. Really? And they're god are they goddesses or are they just uh, magic users? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm pretty sure they could fly. Like they may have wings. So I, I think that makes them goddesses and not magic users because otherwise that spell would eventually wear off. Okay, but they they could be a magic-based being. You know, a be a magical being. Okay, well, demi, could, could we just say they're goddesses? But that would also generally mean demigoddesses and, and those kind of magical beings. Sure, we could agree on that. You're very agreeable. Well, thanks. I was here. So, so they started a podcast. Uh, really, they started a podcast. Those goddesses from bi- the Bibbidi Bobbidi goddesses. Yeah, it's called Bibbidi Bobbidi Poof. Uh, Oh wow! And what, what? How do? How does it work? Well, they have different ones uh, for different things that people have going on with them. Wow, it's interesting. Well, it's not. Well, yeah, it is. It's just. It, it's actually not interesting because they use magic. It doesn't need to be interesting because it's magical. Okay, so why are you telling me this? Well, they have one to put people to sleep. Uh, it's like a th- three, three to eight seconds long. Okay, tell tell me more. Yeah, it's it's called the Bibbidi Bobbidi Poof Sleep Show. They're work title pending. They said though. Okay, well that's that's one thing good. That's good news for me. That title's uh, strange. Well, no, because they're the Bibbidi Bobbidi. Okay, no, wait, I mean, okay, it just doesn't have the best SEO. Here's the thing: if you're magical, you don't need S. Oh yeah, you're right about that. So anyway, how, so it's a sleep podcast. It's like eight seconds long. I don't know. I think it's like eight seconds long. They just say, uh, you just start it, and then they say, bibbidi-bobbidi-poof. And while they're doing that, uh, like our human ears can't hear the magic, or but we experience the magic, puts you to sleep. And that's the whole podcast. Uh, yep, it's the whole podcast. Does it have one episode or multiple episodes? Well, right now it's just a trailer. They They haven't put out the show yet. Huh. Okay, and is it, uh, well, that sounds like it's going to be, t- sounds like it's not going to be good for my, my show. Why do you say that? Well, if it instantly puts you to sleep, why would people need to sleep with me? Well, Scoots, I don't need to tell you this because you just explained it for 10 minutes. Your show's here to put, keep people company while they drift off. Uh, their show is there for people to be magically sent off into dreamland. A totally different show. That's why it's only eight seconds long. Okay, okay. I guess I'm. I guess I, I guess I'm with you. So, oh, but I was trying to explain to you the structure of the show. So, a show like that, it doesn't need a lot of structure. Our show has structure is different. 
So if you came in expecting the Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Poof show, I guess I could record that and put it out as a separate podcast, but that's a totally different thing. So this show structurally, it starts off with business. Uh, it shows, starts off with a greeting, then business, uh, and then an intro. And that's the business at the beginning is how we're able to keep the show free. Then there's an intro. Now, the, So the business throws some people off, but what really throws new people off is the intro. Because it's around 12 to 20 minutes long of just me rambling about stuff like bibbidi-bobbidi-poof. And at first, some people think it's like an advertisement, I think. And then some people, they say, well, this isn't a bedtime story or I'm not so sure I I enjoy listening to you, which are all legitimate things. So let me tell you why the intro is so long. The intro is so long because unlike the Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Poof show, uh, this podcast is here to keep you company as you drift off. Uh, and for regular listeners, the intros are like part of their wind down routine. Now there's like 2% of listeners that start the show at about 20 minutes and they just listen to the, whatever starts at 20 minutes. And then the story, uh, tonight will be me trying to remember the plot of, uh, the princess bride, uh, and remember if I already did a podcast episode about it or not. Uh, so they started there, but 98% of listeners, well, there's, and there's listeners that support the show on Patreon, but that's a little different. But so most listeners, the, the, the intro is part of their wind down or their unwinding. So they'll start listening at bedtime, either before they get in bed or while they're in bed. And I kind of like, cause I just don't know anything that works as well as that bibbity boppity poof show. I wish I had hair that would go along with that and that a hair, like, I wish I had big a poof, a hair that had a poof on it. A poofant. Is that a kind of haircut? Is any, I guess you'd have, you'd, you'd say, what kind of haircut does your poodle have? A poofant. Uh, it's like a poofant for poodles. But I mean, I could see myself if I had a hair that had like was poofable, I would do that bibbity boppity poof. Uh, or if I had a salon, I guess if I had a poodle salon, I would say that while I was working. Of course, until the big company that has all the money, they said, well, actually, you can't say bibbity or boppity uh, with any other words uh, without a license. And then actually their competitor would say, well, you know, in the name of Harry Potter, you can't say poof either. And they'd say, I never heard Harry Potter say poof in my imagine, maybe in my imagination. Uh, the only per- I mean, yeah. So I guess you know. No, I'll wait till I get those letters in the mail. Usually they not, you know, they always knock first, and they say, "Can you sign here?" And I say, "You know, I'm just going to crumble this up and put it somewhere for two or three months, and then wonder what was in that envelope." Uh, uh, is this about my magical express reservation? Uh, no. Okay. So anyway, enough humor. So, so the intros are really long to give you a chance to get into bed get comfortable or get ready for bed and get comfortable to ease you into bedtime. So that's the intro. Then there's some business that's just kind of the structure of how podcasting works. Uh, So I'll have some business that helps keep the show free. And then we'll have the story part of the show where I'll talk briefly about the new Night Vale Presents novel and try to think up a friendly name for that. Uh, The friendly faced woman who, uh, who plays hide and seek in your home. That's, that's like what the novel's not named, but the name is similar. And, uh, then I'll talk about the princess bride. So it's a structure of the show. I guess it kind of covered the rules. The reason I make this show, I've been there tossing and turning. Yes. Mind racing. Oh boy. That's my middle. That's one of my hobbies. They say, they say, cause there was that movie about car racing that came out recently. They didn't call me like to have me be an advisor on that, but I said if there was ever a movie about mind racing, if that was actually a thing, like you say, what about uh, you know all those movies about kids in video games saving the world or you know car racing, you know, showing how great our you know our our uh, belief system is? How come no one glorifies mind racing? They say this this kid it was the greatest mind his mind was racing. Before, like Ricky Bobby, my mind was racing before I, I said, uh, I want to overthink. I want to overthink in a quick way that's both quick and feels painfully slow. 
So I've been there and waking up early, uh, waking up, not being, you know, I've, I've been there. So I want to help. I also want to help because I believe you truly deserve a good night's sleep or a place of respite right now where you could get away, uh, where you could drift off. They, your world and our world is going to be a better place uh, if you're well rested or at least you have a little relaxation and distraction. So I guess that's kind of everything. I thought I was going to talk about, I'll have to talk about nubs and nibs a different time. And maybe one day I'll put out that bibbity boppity poof podcast just to, just to, just to see what those companies do. I think I might do that. Uh, uh, they, they would all be, here's a spoiler. They would all be the same and say, well, this is the one about exercise. Uh, that would be the title. And then it would be bibbity boppity poof. Uh, I don't think the awe oh, is in there. That's just one of my, like, verbal uh, thingamajigs. I don't know, like, I just, uh, see, I just did it naturally when, when I'm in a, a state of podcasting. So that's it. I'm glad you're here. I really hope the show can help you. Like I said, give it a few tries and, and see, because that's how most listeners found the show was helpful. Uh, but I really appreciate you coming by. I work very hard. I yearn and I strive. Uh, to help you fall asleep. And here's a couple ways we're able to keep this podcast free for everybody. All right, hey, everybody. So it's Scoots here, and I've been reading the new Night Vale Presents novel, uh, uh, The Friendly-Faced Woman Who Plays Hide-and-Seek in Your Home uh, by Joseph Fink and uh, Jeffrey Craner. Uh, now, it's, it's, it comes out under a different title that you'll see. I'll link to it in the show notes. And oh boy, have I been enjoying this uh, this novel. It's just taken me in so many unexpected directions because you say, well, this is what I expect a Welcome to Night Vale novel to be. Now, this gives you, this 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 delivers on your expectations, but it takes them in a totally different direction at the same time. And it is really, really, really fun. And I just wanted to, I'm going to read you a little bit about it, but like, uh, I'm about 215 pages into the novel. I cannot wait to finish it, uh, probably so I can read it again. It came out March 24th and it's written by Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner, authors of the New York Times bestselling Welcome to Night Vale novels, uh, Welcome to Night Vale that came out in 2015 and It Devours came out in 2017. Uh, they're also creators of the hit podcast, uh, Welcome to Night Vale. And this new novel is The uh, Friendly-Faced Woman Who Plays Hide-and-Seek in Your Home. It's a Harper Perennial hardcover. It's uh, $21.99. And it takes readers deeper into the lore of Night Vale, talks about one of the most interesting residents of the town. And you get to live her whole backstory. Holy moly. That's not in the writing, but wow. Uh, this original adventure tale follows a compelling and uh, it, it, a slightly unexpected story of uh, the friendly-faced woman who plays hide-and-seek in your every home in Night Vale and all of the possible adventures she could take you on and the motivations behind adventures, not all of which are always pure at heart. It's got a little bit of Count of Monte Cristo. It's got uh, like uh, novels that I cannot mention here. And it has, for me, a little taste of the Princess Bride. It's told in uh, flashbacks throughout her life, uh, through 18th century Europe, already conquered by Napoleon, uh, goes to Mediterranean estates, nautical adventure. And I'm not even sure, like, I'm like only halfway through this book, so I cannot wait to see what happens next. I feel like a kid, and uh, I feel like I should be saying this, like, but up bump uh, like I'm on uh, uh, reading Rainbow, uh, the friendly-faced woman who lives. Do you like adventure stories? Do you like nautical tales? Do you like heroines uh, leading a, a crew of misfits? Uh, then you're gonna love the friendly-faced woman who lives in your home and plays hide and seek with you. This is little Andy uh, telling you to check it out. But um bump. Uh, so that's a friendly faced woman. Uh, it also goes back to present day Night Vale and uh, her uh, playing hide and seek in uh, someone's home. And there's so much humor with that and her buddy Craig. And we love Craig on this podcast. We love that name. 
Uh, so check it out. By the time you're hearing this, it should already be available. I will put a link into the show notes. There's also the audiobook, uh, which is narrated by actress and author Mara Wilson, who plays the character on Welcome to Night Vale. And, uh, yeah, use the link because the title is actually a little bit different than that, uh, but you'll be able to figure it out. Uh, in, in reading this book, uh, made me think, uh, have I ever talked about, uh, the, what's the name of that movie that I was going to talk about tonight? Uh, what's it called? The Princess Bride before. And I said, have I done an episode about it or if I just talked about it? And I said, I don't know. So I said, let's do it. Uh, so here you go. Scoots is going to talk here, tell the tape about, uh, the Princess Bride. All right. So the movie, The Princess Bride. Let's see. So, so I'm still like that. I, I still am trying to think if I've done an episode about this. And if you're new, and this might be my second time explaining it, but it, like uh, this is like a tale of the tape episode. So it's where I take it, the tale of the tape. Well, the tale of the tape is like uh, I try to remember... I run the tape of the movie in my mind and see what how, like... Uh, because they say I've seen this movie probably thirty times, and uh, how much of it, how much of the plot do I even remember? And then on top of it is the fact that uh, part of me is like, "Scoots, I think you did this as an episode," but I don't think I did. Then part of me is like, "I don't think we did. I don't remember ever releasing it." So this could be uh, a moment where we. Uh, we kiss the old, when did Scoots, when did Sleep With Me kiss the dolphin, as they say, when they talk about TV shows and Fonzie, after that famous Perfect Strangers episode where Fonzie came on and kissed a dolphin, you say, oh, that's when Sleep With Me kissed the dolphin, when Scoots did a second, like, but, and actually, but the funniest thing was, uh, only six people noticed. But and Scooch was not one of them because he's still like I don't think I did do an episode about it. So the Princess Bride. Here's the thing: I've read the book. Uh, don't like like and, and I probably read the book somewhere between 2020, no, I mean 2010 and 2015. But I don't know when I read it, and I was reading it bit by bit to my daughter as a bedtime story. And as I said, I got inspired to do this episode by the new Night Vale book. And so, uh, so let's see. Uh, okay, so I was going to set up because not everybody now not everybody's familiar with this, right? I'm sh- I'm pretty sure the book was written by William Goldman, and uh, but I'm not sure if the book was written. I'm not sure. I was like, is it was it a screenplay and then a novelization of the screenplay? Or was it a William Goldman novel that was made into a screenplay that was made into a movie? So I don't know those questions. I don't know the answer to that question. I do know that I think I do know that I think that Rob Reiner made the movie, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Uh, but I would be willing to wager. Uh, well. I would be able to wager that it could be wrong because, like, a seventy percent wrong. But I, I want to say it's a Rob Reiner movie, uh, but 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 I'm not sure. So okay, so the Princess Bride is the name of the movie. It came out in the 1980s or maybe in the 90s. Again, if you said Scoots, you got to give me a number. Let's say okay, somewhere between 1989 and 1992, and then you would say, okay, Scoots, now set the mood. When did you first see it? Did you see it in the theater? I say, I did not see it in the theater. As a matter of fact, I honestly don't even remember like it being in the movie theater. And oh boy, did I miss out on an opportunity. I'll be perfectly frank with you. I'm very disappointed in my past self. Uh, one, for not seeing it in the movie theater, and two, not being aware of it. it like not Like I wasn't even aware of it where I said, well, I don't think I'm going to see that. So there's a couple things that, that that brings up that are interesting to me and good for a sleep podcast. So, so say, did I, wh- why wasn't I aware of it? Was it the marketing budget for the movie or was it like the actual marketing? So was if it was the marketing budget, uh, was it just not marketed enough? Because, uh, well, we'll go into when I first saw it, uh, 
And so that's one question. So they say, well, huh, that's weird that I, like, I don't, I'm not aware of seeing any marketing for it. So was it marketing more focused on all of the characters whose names I'm never going to remember, Buttercup uh, and Wesley and more of romance? Or did it seem like it was being more, more marketed as a children's movie? Uh, or like an all-star, like a vehicle, like a, what do they call those when there's like a bunch of cameo, like a cameo movie. I mean, I was in full angst at those, those are my most angsty years. So I may like it, but I can't even imagine, like, I can't remember. Usually I remember myself being disdainful of things and being like, oh boy, no, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I have teen angst, uh. I can't see a movie called The Princess Bride. I don't even know what that means, The Princess Bride. Uh, so as a movie, it's a, I would say it's an action-adventure romance. If, if you had to say, Scoots, give me one genre, I'd say action-adventure romance. But you say it like as one word would be the genre of the film. And, oh, I was telling, when did I first see it? So I first saw it around, not that long after it came out, so, but I guess like they used to delay stuff like a long time. It used to be a movie would come out, then it would go into the second run theaters, which uh, we had a good one by us that we used to go to a lot. So again, I, I would assume, and that could be interesting as me. Hold on, I got a positive recorder here. Okay, sorry, I just wrote down to look up the second run movie theater by my, like, that was was by my house too far to walk. Well, now as an adult, I probably would walk there. I mean, I probably wouldn't, but it, it would, no, I guess it was too far to walk. Uh, it was near one of my friend Charlie's houses, walking distance from his house. Uh, but so, oh, it was called the Genesee Theater. I'm pretty sure it was not, but it was in West, it was in Westvale, but it was called the Genesee Theater. I think it was on West Genesee Street, too. Uh, but so, and it was oh, also by, wow, that's a, I, well, we'll have to get back to Westvale Plaza in another point. Because a lot of, like, a, huh, that's weird. It was a plaza. So, like a shopping center plaza, you know, they drive in. And it had not just one, but four important touchstones of my youth. Uh, that's interesting, too. So, I guess we'll have to get back to that, too. Uh, but so back to, uh, so back to the princess bride. So I didn't see it in the second run theater. And then, uh, so I saw it at someone's house and I think it was like during, it was during the day. So I'm pretty sure, I don't think we were not at school when we were supposed to be, but maybe it was like a half, I'm pretty sure it was like a half day of school. Uh, so it could have been when you're younger uh, and you just go to somebody's house and you watch, you have a movie night, uh, before you're like, uh, I don't know when you're a teenager, but you're not like a, like a, like you're an angsty teenager, but you haven't, um, moved on to angsty teenager activities, which is me for me scoffing and being disdainful and having bad attitude. Those are my, so, uh, but, uh. So we watched it at someone's house. So, oh, so back then, so a movie would come out in the theater. It would go to a second-run theater. Then it wouldn't come out for public video. They called it, what did they call it? Home video back then. And this was the days of Blockbuster. You know, when people say things don't change, you say, okay, well, yeah, they do. Because, uh, like, I remember when you had to go to Blockbuster to get a movie, like, a year after it came out. Maybe it would be six months, but it would be, like, so long between when the movie was in the theater and it came out on video that you kind of forgot about it. And so I remember being at somebody's house, and this was this was a good move, whoever did it. Uh, probably my one of my friends, it was either Debbie, Alicia, or Megan, I'm guessing, one of the three of them. And they had already picked the movie out. So it wasn't not a, it wasn't like all of us had to agree on a movie. I said, well, let's watch The Princess Bride. And at this point, I do remember scoffing or kind of being like, what, what, uh, The Princess Bride? Uh, and then I, I think I'd have been more aware of it. But it, this was one of those movies where once it started, my mouth, I got really quiet and I was into this film one, like 100, maybe like the first few minutes, it took me a little while. Uh, but after that, I was totally into it. 
So we started watching the movie. So now I guess I'll move into the movie because this is like my archetypal memory of the film anyway. And speaking of scoffing, holy cow, am I going to remember any of these? Okay, Fred Savage and Columbo, whose name is Peter Peter something. It'll come to me. Uh, Peter Falk. Uh, So the movie starts out with uh, Fred Savage. Fred Savage's mother may be in it, or, or like a character playing Fred Savage's mother, or her voice may be in it. And, but Fred Savage is like home from school on like a snow day or something, and uh, he's bored. And Peter Falk is playing his grandfather, his loving grandfather. And he uses a little subtle psychology on Fred Savage, because they think Fred Savage might have been playing video games or whatever. And they said, listen, kid, you got to do something more productive for your brain. And Peter Fox says, what about a little theater of the mind? And Fred Savage says, it's theater of the lame, man. Uh, I think this was pre-Wonder Years, but maybe not. The, the TV show, or I don't know if he was already on that TV show. I have no idea. So I shouldn't have said that because I don't have any clue. But I think so, because he was just a boy in this movie. So maybe this movie came out in the 80s and not the 90s. I think Wonder Years was in the 90s, and Fred Savage was in high school in the 80s, but in the 1950s. I know it's confusing. It was a confusing time for all of us, believe me. Uh, but so so Fred Savage was a kid. I don't know his name. Kid, the, He was just the, the kid, maybe. The kid in the bed on a snow day. And Peter Falk was the grandfatherly figure, also narrator. So he says, so Fred Savage says, man, that's lame. Theater of the mind, that'll never be a thing. And Peter Falk said, well, once upon a time it was radio and storytelling. And he said, well, I just got this awesome book here. Uh, uh, like, and Fred Savage says, does anyone kiss one another in the book? And he says, possibly. And then he says, not for me. You know, I'm not a believer in romance either, Grandpa. And the grandfather laughs and says, uh, okay, well, uh, well, I guess I'll go on my way. Though. You know, it's just a book about, you know, adventure and swashbuckling, buckling of swashes, you know, uh, cool stuff. Uh, if, you know, people, unforgettable characters and, you know, other like also a lot of actors. You wouldn't believe it to like Christopher Guest, Mandy Patinkin, just to name two that like, uh, like blow your mind. And Fred Savage says, wait a second. Did you say Christopher Guest? And he said, that's just for starters. And they said, so you're planting those seeds in my mind of who I'll picture. And the grandfather says, not yet, my, my, my young lad. But he said, anyway, you're not interested in kissing and romance, so I'll just be on my way. And then Fred Savage says, oh, no, Grandpa, you know, give me a second. Now, we all know, I guess maybe you could tell, I don't know if you could read a book to a kid in two hours. I don't know if that's possible. But I have a feeling, especially if I was reading it, you'd only get through like one chapter and maybe two chapters in two hours. That's why I can't like do audio books because you see what that book's like 8,000 hours long. And that's an appeal for a lot of people. What I say, I can barely pay attention. The longest I can pay attention is when I'm putting, making a sleep podcast and trying to remember something I can't even remember. So Peter Falk, uh, the grandfather, said, okay, like settle down. Get in bed, I'll read you this story. And then, so then we go, we transfer, and we will take interludes with the two of them. I think probably only like at the act breaks, or I don't know if it's the exact act breaks. I have no idea. I was just guessing there. Probably trying to impress you with using act break, but uh, in between parts of the story. Uh, and also, like, you know, Fred Savage is representing some portion of the audience and saying, huh, well, this is my concern with this part of the story. So, okay, so all of those things. So the movie starts with uh, Buttercup. And Buttercup is, uh, so this is a little bit of a movie about cl- the class system and the roles we play as human beings, I think. Uh, but so Buttercup is a... Is a uh, 
I guess in the movie she's some sort of upper, upper middle class, but not uh she's probably I don't know I don't even know what landed gentry means, but I think it means you own you know, homeowner with land. And I don't know if she's necessarily royal, but and she but she has some attitude. I think well well earned attitude. And like uh, she's headstrong. I don't know. Some people say that in a bad way, but I would say bad, 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 Buttercup is headstrong in a good way. Hopefully, that's the character's name. She's played by Robin Wright, and so she like lives on a, a farm with her. I presume her family. I don't think we ever see her family. And there's a farm worker named Wesley. A uh, farm boy, she calls him. Now, this this next part of the movie has been uh, the jumping off point for multiple films and uh, Blaze novels and stuff. Uh, so the next few minutes, you you get into like a possible territory uh, because she always calls, says uh, she she likes to boss him around, and she says, "Farm boy, uh, you know, fetch me that water." And he always says, as you wish. And I think this is still, I can hear Peter Falk's, Peter Falk's grandfather's voice setting this up. Uh, eventually, he's in love with her. She's in love with him. Now, uh, I don't know when we learn his name. Maybe Peter Falk tells us his name's Wesley, but she calls him Farm Boy. And they slowly fall in love. Like, at some point, he says, as you wish. You know, their hands touch. They're by, like, a wishing well. They kiss. Uh, or maybe they almost kiss, and so they 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 I think probably they almost almost kiss because Fred Savage doesn't like kissing. But so they're doing great. Their romance is just blossoming now. Meanwhile, and I don't know if they go through like they're going through town, but the prince there's a prince going through town. Uh, now the prince is not. I always get mixed up who Christopher Guest plays, whether it's the prince or the prince's, like, uh, la- he plays like Prince's Lackey, I believe, yes. Oh, yeah, the prince is played by, uh, I'm pretty sure the prince is played by this actor with great gravitas. Oh, great gravitas, I can't think of who it is. Uh, but maybe it'll come to me. But so, Prince Umberdank is, like, uh, he's handsome, he's, like, a royal, like, actual royalty. And he has his sidekick, uh, whose name I can't, who's played by Christopher Guest. Uh, and, like, I don't know, he decides, I don't know if they're driving through and he sees Buttercup or he meets her at a festival or there's some sort of whatever. I don't know how he meets Buttercup. Uh, but he decides, oh boy, am I going to marry Buttercup? She's going to be a queen. Like, he's going to be king at some point. At this point, his father is still king. And I'm pretty sure the queen's still around, too. Or maybe only the queen's around. I don't know. But, uh, no, I think the king and the queen. So I don't really remember. I, I mean, I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to see if I could remember. But so, Wes, like, they say, okay, you're marrying Buttercup. You're going to marry Prince Humperdinck. And I don't know if this is before this or after it, but I think it was before it, like, uh, like while Wesley and Buttercup are flirting, she says, "Well, you gotta like, uh, like." She goes, "We live in this whatever patriarchal society, and it's not fair to anybody. It's a class, also a class system, and you gotta have a dowry or something or some sort of status in order for me to be released from from one patriarch to another." And he's so he's played by Carrie Hughes. Uh, I think that's how you say it, uh, like, uh, who I've talked about before, because, uh, where was he? He was recently on a show, uh, but, but okay. So, but so Wesley says, okay, well, I'm going to go out and, and search for adventure and treasure or whatever. And I'll be back uh, to, to, to like, uh, I think that's what happens. Like he goes away first. So then Prince Humberdink meets Buttercup. This is like the least important part of the movie, but, uh, well, I guess not really. So Prince Humberdink meets Buttercup and says, uh, by the way, uh, really like you. I think we'd make a good couple. I'm a, I'm a high status looking for a queen. You're very regal, very kind headstrong in a good way. 
what do you think? And she says, well, I'm sworn to another. I'm, I'm in love with Wesley. You seem like a decent enough chap, uh, but uh, sorry, I'm not into it really. And to be honest, I'm always going to love him. You like just waiting for him to return from adventure, you know, to, to deal with the system we have. And eventually he, him and his, uh, his Christopher guests, they come up with an idea of like, uh, they say the count, I think his name is, I can't remember, not count chocolate and not the count, uh, with the numbers though. There is an important number with him. But so they say, well, actually, by the way, Wesley, he uh, w- he went away on adventure. And while he was adventuring, we heard that his ship, and I, I, don't, I guess this was factual, huh? I always thought it was made up, but actually, I think it's factual. So maybe she had already found out about this, but they said, by the way, his ship was captured. Uh... Uh, by uh, uh, this guy, uh, um, uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts, uh, a little bit like Lady Witchbeard, but a little bit different. And Dread Pirate Roberts, uh, you know, he like he, he, so Wesley's not going to come back. He he has his own system, and it wouldn't have worked out well for Wesley. So she's kind of heartbroken, I guess, and. Says, eventually I'll get married to you, I guess, Humperdinck, uh, but give me some time. Let's just have long. I don't know if they get married. I don't think they do. She says, when you're going to be king, I guess I'll marry you, maybe. I'll think about it. Uh, like, like Something like that. And he says, okay, fair enough. Uh, and then it gets old, like the king and the queen are older. It becomes time. I think it becomes time for her to get married. And... Uh, I get, I don't know, like, uh, she's just like out, oh, I think she goes out for, for, she's out riding her horse to clear her mind. That's what it is. Like, whatever she, she goes, she says, I got to go kind of like, uh, like, what do they call those? Like, uh, like solo moon, like, uh, to like, 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 yeah, just, just, I don't know. She's, she goes out, takes her horse out. They go out on the town. And while they're out there, uh, she meets up with freaking Wallace Shawn, uh, Mandy Patinkin, and Andre the Giant. And I don't know what their characters' names are. Uh, 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 oh, Indigo, Indigo Montoya. Uh, but I don't think there's a D in there. Indigo Montoya. Uh, and then... Elfezig and oh, I thought he had like a nickname. Uh, but I mean, you thought, think about those three together. Holy moly! So they, they like to say, Hey, you're gonna come with us, like, uh, uh, we're gonna take you on a, a fun trip, uh, and eventually, like, the king will give us gold. It, they're, they're, they say, we got this idea, it's called the double dowry. And she says, what do you mean a double dowry? And they say, well, you know, with this system, they say, well, we're not in the class system either. We're outside of the class system. We're on the margins of it. And so we figured out a way, like the king and the queen are already getting in the, whatever, Humperdinck are going to pay your family, I assume, a dowry. Or, you know, your your status will be elevated. Uh, and if we just hang with you for a while, then you're like, we'll get a dowry from Humperdinck too. And she says, well, I'd prefer not because I don't really know any of you that well. But she finds out that like, uh, while Sean's character is not exactly the best, but the other two are very like, like Andre Fezig and, uh, Indigo Montoya are great. So she says, okay. Now, meanwhile, they hop in a boat uh, to hit the road, right? And uh, uh, this is really set up because these are kind of like, uh, at first they kind of seem like a little bit antagonistic, these characters, but they're very likable. Uh, I think just because of the performances and the writing and the directing and and everything else. But so they're in a boat, right? What is his name? While Sean's character's name, I thought he was called the something. Because he goes, you don't get in a land war. Sicil- Maybe he's called the Sicilian. 
I don't know. But so they're in a boat and they're sneaking off until they get their double dowry. Because they say, well, the princes, you know, they got a bunch of horses and lances and stuff like that. And then they notice a boat's following them and they say, okay, let's go faster. This is the fastest boat around. And they say, well, that boat's still keeping up with us. And they say, okay, well, it's not like uh, while Sean says, okay, well, we're going to go to these cliffs that are uh, unscalable, except for uh, Andre the Giant. Uh, then they have Andre the Giant climb this cliff with all all three of them because he's so strong. Now, Andre the Giant was like a beloved wrestler and actor in the 80s. Uh, it'd be like, even though he also played like antagonistic characters, uh, he was always beloved. Uh, I think he was beloved and beloved. So he climbs the cliff and they look down and they see this mysterious character all in black, uh, very pirate-esque, uh, following him. And the inconceivable, that's what Wallace Shawn's character says all the time, inconceivable over and over again. And there's a lot of humor. They get up the the, the top of the cliff, uh, uh, and they say it's impossible or inconceivable for anyone to be able to scale it. They, they, they say, "Well, this guy, this pirate dude, is still still coming." Uh, and then he says, "Okay, Inigo, deal with it. We're out of here." And he says, uh, "Okay." Then we get like a. I don't know, this performance in this scene is just so, like, every scene is just so good. Uh, But these are some of the highlights of the movie. So he's up there, Indigo Montoya, man of honor, Spanish swordsman, I believe, uh, greatest swords person in the world. And he says, hey, I'm waiting up here for you. Uh, By the way, like, uh, first I think they they try to, like, trip trip him up, uh, but there's a lot of like rapport and humor, and then uh, this character gets up there, and they greet each other. He says, "Don't worry, have a break. I'm the best swordsman in the world." And I don't know if this is, at this point we realize that it's Wesley, but I'll just tell you it is. Uh, but he's dressed all like uh, in like black silk, uh, like a like a like a sexy pirate ninja. Uh, I don't know how else to put it, but the truth. And he says, uh, they say, okay. And then he says, we'll sword fight after you have some water and stuff. That's what Inigo Montoya says. Uh, and they say, then he says, why don't I tell you, why don't we start sword fighting? I'll tell you my whole backstory. So then he reveals his backstory, how he became the greatest swordsman. And he's only working this job, not because he's interested in a double dowry, but because he's in a quest to, to find this a six-fingered man uh, who uh, he's out, like very much similar to characters in my story out to get Bezos. He says, I'd like to teach, he owes me $5 and, uh, you know, I'll never rest. Uh, he actually owed my father $5 uh, uh, and I uh, have a speech and everything. He goes, you know, it goes, you know, my name is Ingo Montoya. You owe my father $5. Uh, prepare to pay up because you like with interest by the way which is a lot because it's been like 30 years so then uh uh they say then there's like a bunch of fun stuff like uh where you realize that actually wesley's also like unbelievable swordsman and so they have this grand sword fight like straight out of like a, a movie from any era uh, very fun, but Wesley does end up getting the upper hand, but he still shows, like, uh, he still wants, uh, uh, like, Inigo to have success. So then Wesley takes off. Uh, uh, then he runs across Andre the Giant, who, who actually is a giant, and they say, okay, like, uh, he says, uh, okay, well, we have to, like, do, do some, like, like WWF. Uh, and then Wesley says, I don't know what that is. He says, World Wrestling Federation. He goes, it's like, uh, he goes, you never heard of, like, SummerSlam or Sweaty Nights or uh, Hot Summer Evenings. Uh, Wesley goes, no. He goes, uh, he goes, WrestleMania, no. 
He goes, well, I'll show you. So then he goes, well, you're really outmatched because I'm a, I'm a giant. Also had a career in this uh, before this. So then, uh, but Wesley's just too smart. He outsmarts uh, Andre the Giant. Uh, again, you see that he has a great kind heart. He didn't really want to do it. They were both kind of uh, in the grip of uh, Wallace Shawn. I mean, who would blame? Who wouldn't blame him? Uh, uh, but then he tricks them. Next thing you know, they go around. The, he goes around the corner, and like Wallace Shawn's sitting there with like a picnic set up, uh, and Buttercup, I think. Uh, but Buttercup's like sleeping or something. She she can't see that it's uh, Wesley, or maybe she can. Uh, then there's also a jump back because, uh, we see that the print pin Sumperdink and Christopher Guest have caught up the counts and they're tracking them. Uh, and they see, they, 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 you realize that either Prince Sumperdink or Christopher Guest is like an expert tracker because they say, Oh, look at this sword fight that was here. And then look at this. There's a giant and, uh, he was outsmarted, but then we get to, um, uh, while Sean, he says, okay, well, you know, you out gianted my giant, you out, uh, uh, like fenced my fencer. Uh, so I'm going to out, I'm an intellectual. So I'm going to out intellectual you. And this one has probably been used before, but I had never seen it used before. So the payoff is just so good where while Sean says, I propose this game of intellect and I'm like, uh, called the the this 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 water sippy game or something and they say well geez we've never played that game before but meanwhile wesley has played it so wesley's like still one step ahead of him io cane powder uh and so he ends up besting wallace sean in a gig battle of wits i mean that's what they actually have i think that's what wallace sean even says it uh, or the count. Uh, then uh, I'm trying to think what happens next. I think what happens next at some point they get teamed back up, but I don't think it's yet. Uh, I think uh, what happens is Wesley tries to say, "Hey, Buttercup, let's go," but he's still dressed as the Dread Pirate Roberts, and uh, she runs off. They roll down this hill together. And as they're rolling down the hill separately, he says, as you wish. Uh, then they get down into, uh, like, a sm- the smelly swamp. Uh, and they're together, and they say, thank goodness we're together here in the smelly swamp. Uh, uh, that's great. And then they have to m- wander their way through the smelly swamp. Uh, and they do that eventually, but then on the other side of the smelly swamp is the uh, Prince Humperdinck and his crew. And, uh, yeah, okay. okay so I think I'm trying to remember, uh, cause I remember when does he team back up with the, the, the rest of his people? And I'm not sure about that. Uh, but so, uh, uh Prince Buttercup says, oh, geez, like, uh, I love Wesley. Don't worry if you you like if you like you you like I'll totally marry you because I love Wesley. Uh, uh, just leave him alone, and then I'll go marry you, Humperdinck. That kind of thing. And I'm not sure how they leave it, but then, uh, we get Carol Kane. Oh, no, no, not yet. Do no, 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 not yet. You're right. You're right. Uh, so at some point, the Humperdinck and the Count have, the Count has another sidekick. Uh, and maybe that, maybe what happened was uh, that the, also the prince captured uh, uh, Inigo and, uh, uh, what's his name? Andre the Giant's character. It was like a, like kind of like a Dickensian name. Oh, Fezig. Uh, but so, like, uh, they drain out all of uh, Wesley's energy. Uh, I think just because Christopher Guest's character has uh, Christopher Guest's character has kind of an attitude, and uh, so then Wesley's exhausted, like super exhausted. And I'm trying to think. He, at some point, he says, "We got to stop the wedding." Like, like Inigo and uh, Andre the Giant are like, "We love you, man. You spared us. Uh, 
you freed us from working for uh, um, Wild Sean, even though we love Wild Sean, his character we didn't like so much. And we, we really appreciate all that. And he says, no, Wesley says, well, I'm exhausted. What are we going to do? Or maybe Wesley's even sleeping. Somehow they come across Wesley or they get reteamed up. I don't really remember that part. But they go to see Miracle Max, uh, who dislikes the king greatly. And Miracle Max is played by Billy Crystal. And uh, M- Millie Max uh, is played by Carol Kane. So you can't really go wrong with that. So they Miracle Max gives him like a, like a magical chocolate. I, I'm pretty sure that's what happens. And he says, you also need true love's kiss to get to back to 100%. And then this is one of the points where they go back to Fred Savage and Grandpa. And he says, oh, true love's kiss is gross. And he says, is this story over? And then it's like the ticking clock is a wedding day. So, and then Wesley's not 100%. So then they say, Wesley's like, we still got to stop the wedding. Do you two want to help? They say, for sure, man, we love you. Uh, so then they go to the castle and they got to figure out a way to get in. Cause there's like tons of, uh, there's tons of stuff. Uh, oh, and they got magic stuff. I don't know if Miracle Max gave it to them, uh, but they get a cloak and a few other things and, uh, uh they use those. So then they like, uh, do this cool thing with Andre the giant and sound effects, uh, and they get into the castle. Um, not sure what happens after that, other than that they split up and then, um, uh, like, uh, they split up. I'm not sure where, where Andre the Giant goes. Eventually, he has to help everybody, but then we get, like, a couple climaxes. So, Indigo Montoya, uh, has to go, like, finds out that the six fingered man is Christopher Guest, uh, the Count. Uh, so they have a showdown. And it's pretty like actually like a long action scene and a lot of double crosses and uh, a couple of like a like a counter whatever moves. Uh, so there's that. Then I think it ends up that the Prince Humberdinck's like a coward. So Wesley goes against him, but he's a coward. Or maybe it's uh, I don't remember. But so eventually Wesley gets back to Buttercup. Uh, they break up the wedding. Uh, they like there's multiple dance-offs. I think uh, like uh, the king and queen. They never liked their kid anyway. I don't think or the queen. One of them was like, "Oh, we want a Buttercup to be happy anyway." I'm probably missing something in there. So they get there, then they get caught. Then they like have to deal with the count. Then they go to Miracle Max's. Then they go to the cat. Have fun storming the castle. Yeah, that's what Max says to them. So I'm just not sure between the stinky swamp and Miracle Max's how uh, they end up with uh, like that. Maybe they just found Wesley. That seems like pretty synchronous, but uh, it is it is a magical story. Uh, but then, let's see what else happens. So then, oh, I don't know. I think everything worked out. Uh, so Indigo gets the six-fingered guy that uh, and his money in the end with interest, total interest. Uh, Andre the Giant meets Buttercup and says, Hello, you know, you're pretty cool. We heard about you. We're sorry about the other stuff uh, with Wallace Shawn. And she says, Wallace and Gromit? And he goes, no, but, uh, like, uh, I could see why you'd say that. And Wesley, take, she realizes, oh, she'd already realized it was Wesley. So then they get to go into a courtyard and kiss. I don't, I, like, that's the last thing. That, and then Fred Savage learns to love when people kiss because they, Fred, the grandpa says, well, I could stop it here. And he says, why? And he says, well, true love's kiss is the only thing left to go. And he says, it's okay. I'd love to hear about true love's kiss. Uh, and I think that's what re-energizes Wesley. Maybe he was still had no energy until true love's kiss. Uh, there's some magical power. And then, and then Fred Savage and his grandpa, they, they basically kind of are uh, peeking in on them making out, like story-wise. 
And the story comes to a conclusion. All in all, pretty great story. Uh, and so, the, again, if you really enjoyed that movie or the idea of that style movie, this is the this book is a, is a bit different, but the link will be in my show notes for the latest uh, a Welcome to Night Vale novel. Uh, the friendly uh, old, older woman who plays hide and seek in your house. Uh, and I really, really think, like, if you enjoyed this movie or this book, you're really going to enjoy this book, uh, this novel. And it's a totally different take on it, but it's a definitely, uh, it has the action, it has the adventure, and it has a lot more than that. And, and, and like, uh, so I'm only on page, uh, like, uh, I'm, in, I'm in, like, almost to page 200. And I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, and I think you will too. Uh, so I strongly suggest it. Uh, check it out. Good night.